Hey y'all, this is Melissa from Mississippi, and this is Ella, and you're listening to Girls Gone Wild. You're listening to Girls Gone Wild. This is Joy. And this is Claire. This is episode 179. This episode is brought to you by 4Athletics. That's F-O-U-R athletics.com. The discount code is G-G-W. So they're doing something super rad for the holidays is that everything is available immediately so you can buy your BFF a gift and they can get it right away before the holidays. You can get all the same products. And so if you look on their website, it will be, they'll, it'll say in stock. And that just means that you can get it immediately. So whereas before everything was um, through, yeah, through crowdfunding, but you still get the crowdfunding prices, but it's just that it has immediate shipping. So you have some limited sizes, go on there, check it out and make sure you use the discount code GGW that gets you more savings. And of course, everyone's buying holiday gifts. So this is the perfect thing to do. And then you support the podcast at the same time. Win-win. I mean, it's it's a season of giving. Give to us by giving to them. (laughs) By giving to your pals. By giving to your pals. Again, that's F-O-U-R athletics.com. Discount code GGW. So welcome back, Laura, to the show. Hi, Laura. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so we wanted to do another December. Last year, we did December Digestion, I think, with Lisa and Natalia. So we're bringing... I think that was two years ago. Oh, really. my gosh. Don't... that This is making me feel old. The pod- yeah, podcast is so old. So we talked to Laura a few weeks ago on the show, and uh, Laura is the sassy dietitian. You also work for Inside Tracker. And no, seriously, your blog is the sassy dietitian. She is also a CrossFit trainer. You did swimming, right? College swimming yeah, at yeah. Cornell. And her background is nutrition, business, social media, blogging. So you have a very holistic approach. So, And we also connected with you through Inside Tracker, which is the blood and analytic company. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, too, as far as Claire and I both doing that. So we're excited. We have a lot of questions for you, especially around the squatty potty. <laughs> uh, the best gift ever. Well, it's so way. funny because I sent that to Scott and he's like, this is just a fad. I'm like, no, Laura said <laughs> that you endorse this as a Christmas gift. I was just excited too that Target sells it now. I know. When you sent that to me, I was like, oh my God, this is really becoming a thing. And there's like this new poopery is what, like the original toilet spray. And now there's <laughs> now there's a brand card called Unicorn Gold. Yeah, Target sells that Stop too. It. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. It has unicorns on it and it's called Unicorn Gold. They probably obviously ripped off poopery, but they sold it at Target We're right next I, to the Squatty Potty. I don't feel great about that. <laughs> well, I bought some if you want to borrow it. It's just spray. You How can test you know, it out. Joy? It totally works. It totally works. I have to say we used the poopery in our gym and it was the best the bathrooms have ever smelled. And we only oh have gosh. like single bathrooms. And when you're in a gym, the last thing you want to smell is a terrible smell bathroom oh i know why don't all gyms have poopery all gyms all gyms should absolutely have poopery and squatty potties because you're squatting anyway yeah that's true so let's talk about the inside tracker (laughs) let's start with our results and uh we wanted to clary had some questions around that yeah so i got my result I i should probably pull them up that would be helpful but you know, I got my results from Inside Tracker, and I think my biggest question was like, when people do Inside Tracker, they get their results emailed to them. 
what is the next step? Because, I mean, to be completely candid and honest, like you go onto that website and the the, re- the recommendations feel a little bit generic and it kind of makes it hard for you to like really feel like, okay, these are real actionable items because it's like, okay, whole grains, fish oil, like I get it. But I feel like, so, you know, it's it's kind of hard to really know what does this even really like mean for my body? Like I, like what would, what would your recommendation be for like, you've done the blood work. What's the next step? I think it's hard for those who have already kind of done so much with their health. They're expecting like, you know, the dictionary or the encyclopedia of what to do next. And really it's like, let's take a step back and recognize what's important for the body, you know, not getting completely bogged down in the details. Um, And a lot of times people get also get overwhelmed because they see all the data and they say, I don't know what to do next. Yeah. I see fish oil. I see this, I see that, whatever it might be. Um, And so I normally just say back up, Uh, Make sure that you do the entire questionnaire. Make sure you fill out everything you possibly know about yourself and that you do. And if all you can do to start is look at the dashboard or the inner age, which is also a more, uh, I think, more fun dashboard to look at um, and look at the actual food and supplement and exercise and lifestyle recommendations that are prioritized for you based on your goals and your questionnaire, you're going to make improvements. Um, and there's no like magic pill. There's no like, oh, if you, you know, take vitamin D3, everything's going to be fixed. Um, it's just basically a long-term process of making sure that your body is working as it should and as it was meant to. So it's kind of like twofold, right? It's really overwhelming for most. And then it's also can feel generic for those who already know a lot about their diet. Um, but you know, even the top CrossFit athletes are using this to make sure that what they are doing is working and then making sure that they can make the most to their diet. So adding an avocado, chia seeds, berries to make sure that they're not just worried about their performance markers, but also their longevity and health markers. Um, So I normally recommend filling out everything you possibly can about yourself and then looking at the dashboard of the generic recommendations and and putting them into play and recognizing that no no change is too small to see improvements. When you have someone, uh, this might be a difficult conversation for some people to Cause you ask kind of personal questions when you do the follow up, which is not, it wasn't bad, but there were some things that I was like, ah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I think that you probably see blood results and, and they're not matching up to what people are telling you. Would that be common? Well, it's probably my training. I feel like I can pretty much get the truth out of people, um, which I guess could sound scary and really invasive, but I think that if people are coming to us at some point, they, they want to tell us everything because they want to fix something or become the best version of themselves that they can. Um, so actually a lot of times what I do is I won't even look at the blood work. I'll just talk to the person first. If they come to me and want to review their results, I ask them everything that I'd want to know from them. And then I look at their blood work and say, yep, that's it. Like I, I could have told you that just from your blood work where I I could have told you from what you told me what your blood work was going to look like. Now, there is that obviously few percent that won't tell me the truth. Um, And some of it's not really even just bold faced lying. It's normally just uh, ignorance or the fact that they don't recognize like they're not in tune with their bodies. So they don't even know what to say when I ask them certain questions. You know, when I ask about digestion issues, people say, oh, I'm fine. So then I have to dig a little bit deeper and say, okay, you might not have overt diarrhea, but how often are you going a day? Um, When you go, is it pleasant? Uh, What does it smell like? What does it look like? Uh, If you 
don't have either constipation or diarrhea? Do you have bloating? Do you have this, that, the other thing? I mean, there's so many things related to digestion, which we can get into later, but um, knowing the questions to ask is just part of my training. And so I'm pretty good at um, making everyone an honest Abe at some point. And I know you did mention to at the last uh, episode that you were on with Sarah that you can almost always tell a CrossFitter from their blood work. Can you explain <laughs> what that means? Yeah. So the average, well, there's two different CrossFitters. There's the games athlete CrossFitter that I work with. And then there's the uh, nine to five job plus kids plus, uh, you know, everything else under the sun that they're trying to fit in in their day CrossFitter. And that person normally has an elevated creatine kinase. It's their muscle breakdown into their blood. Um, They normally have elevated liver enzymes from the overexertion of exercise, plus all the other toxins that happen throughout their day. Normally, most people are taking too many supplements. Uh, We like to use the phrase, test, don't guess. I think a lot of people think that like, oh, because everyone told me to take this, I should be protein powder, I should be taking it, or this vitamin D, I should be taking it. And then why don't I just start B12? And why don't I start magnesium and everything else under the sun? Um, And all of that load can put a big, a lot of pressure on your liver um, because your liver is your natural detoxifier. And so you have uh, all that impact. Plus when you overexert yourself with exercise, you also put pressure on the liver to filter out the toxins that occur from overexertion. Um, So we see a lot of that um, for males. We actually do see depressed testosterone. And if it's not quite there yet, their sex hormone binding globulin will actually, which is just a fancy term for um, a a glycoprotein that holds on to testosterone and doesn't allow it to be used in the body, which means that things, uh, performance can be hindered, recovery can be hindered, sex drive can go down. And that is kind of a precursor for showing that testosterone might eventually start taking a big hit. And it's normally elevated because of overtraining and undereating. We normally see a higher than normal cholesterol and that's a whole topic for a whole nother day. Um, the biggest issue is not necessarily the total cholesterol. It's that their LDL is very high and their HDL is very low. And for those who are pretty fit and active, HDL should be higher because of it's a protective form of cholesterol. Um, and that's normally because many in the CrossFit community, I hate to overgeneralize, but many take like a bacon and eggs paleo zone approach. And so they're really enjoying their bacon and eggs, but they forget that fruits and vegetables are actually really great source of nutrition. So those are kind of the, gen- the general ones that I see. Um, I'm trying to think there's anything else that jumps out. Um, sometimes cortisol is elevated. I actually think a lot more people think they're in quote unquote adrenal fatigue, which is not an actual clinical term, than actually are. So people are creating this problem that doesn't actually exist. Can you talk um, more can- about that? Sure. So your cortisol is your stress hormone or one of your stress hormones. And it basically peaks in the morning when you wake up um, and gets you going for the day. And it should start declining over time throughout the day. It's basically a a big curve in the morning and and peters out throughout the day. And a lot of people think that they're in adrenal fatigue when they're completely tired and drained. Well, you're probably eventually going to push yourself to the point your adrenals are basically the glands that sit atop your kidneys. And over time, your stress hormone can uh, either severely elevate over time. So over the day, your curve will go up. Um, And then eventually what happens is you completely crash and you won't be able to produce any cortisol, which is very dangerous. But I find more than not, 
people who have elevated cortisol, it has nothing to do with the actual exercise they're doing. It has everything to do with their lifestyle and the stress that they put on themselves. So a lot of females I find have this problem and it doesn't matter if they're a CrossFitter or not. It really just has to do with if there's someone who internalizes every little last thing going on with them um, and it tends to spike their cortisol. So as far as the whole adrenal fatigue thing, what I guess, what can people do to pay attention to their bodies if they think it's something that's a problem for them? Well, first off, test, don't guess. <laughs> you know, sometimes I've seen with uh, people, it's not necessarily high cortisol. It could be uh, lower hemoglobin or lower ferritin, which can signal some type of anemia or pre- uh, not quite anemia, but perhaps we're getting to that point. Um, and when you have low iron stores, you're obviously going to experience fatigue because iron helps to not just it helps to oxygenate all of your tissues and all of your muscles. Um, and so that can be another issue going on that you have no idea. Um, so that's if, if you're able to test, um, because then you'll know for sure what's going on. If you do find that it's an issue, um, I found that building in active recovery and active meditation um, can really, really helpful to reduce that. So that looks like yoga or swimming or stretching or your cross at a ROMWAD or any of those movements that are intentional but aren't stressful. You're not raising your heart rate course swimming you might if you're not not good at swimming um so maybe swimming's not the best for you i wouldn't just jump in the pool if you haven't gotten the pool in years um, and expect that to be relaxing (laughs) right so you know kind of obviously be honest about that um finding kind of stress relieving activity so I think a lot of us, what we do is we push ourselves really hard in the gym and then we'll take a rest day and that rest day will either A, turn into another workout day, which I find with a lot of top athletes because they happen to be in the gym and their friends are like, come on, just hit this one wad, you'll be fine. Um, so that's an issue. Or you have the opposite side of this, the spectrum of those who literally just sit on their butt all day and do nothing. Um, so I think it's just building all that in. For some, meditation is really helpful. For others, meditation stresses them out. So like finding your own meditation um like for me going hiking or walking is my meditation like I'm not good at just sitting there and sitting still and I don't think I ever will be so finding your own kind of meditation within that and that's a great way to to deal with it and help it come down well not only that is I really like the results for me personally uh validated that I was doing enough and I think that sounds really silly on the surface level, but it was um, my whole life I've been really active. And of course, when you're surrounded by hard workouts, and you're in the CrossFit world, you think that you're always having to go so hard and that you're always having to go do the next workout the next day. And the results that we discussed, it really validated that I was doing plenty and that I can really, really it's okay to take some rest. So that that's been a really good swing for me and and just also not comparing myself to others and that whole spiel. But also saving money because I'm not feeding into buying all the stupid supplement protein powder BS crap that you're like, well, I guess this sounds good because someone on the internet told me to take it and it's showing in my blood work that I just don't need that. Exactly. And you're not alone. I think, you know, it's, it's a really fun community to be a part of. I mean, I love everything about it. But um, we can also be our worst enemies in the situation, because we all kind of feed upon each other. And, you know, we want to we it's a cult mentality. So we want to do what everyone else is doing. And 
if there's that whole thing of FOMO. It's like, oh my God, my friends are working out and they're posting their times and I want to be just like them. And, and I think uh, it's great to have, uh, and then we can move on from this. I think it's great to have, you know, gym challenges and gym food challenges and what have you, but it's also really important for people to tune in to, to their own health and fitness and what feels good for them um, and, and find that middle ground. So totally. Yeah. And people r- run into that, like, endless challenge cycle Uh and it's just unfortunately I think it's it's great for the beginning like when you're trying to get into something or trying to you know change like a lifestyle habit but it becomes this like really cyclical I think downward spiral for most and they don't get to enjoy life and enjoy their food I I don't know if there's an answer to this that you're going to (laughs) subscribe to one answer but is there anything are there any supplements you do like that you think most people should be taking or do you feel like that's another test don't guess situation? I think it's generally a test don't guess and only because I can't just tell everyone in the world, hey, take this. I would say most of my clients, whether it was before or after Tracker, um, can benefit from vitamin D. And it's normally because the only people I see really optimized are those in Southern California and Southern Florida and those people are outside a lot. Um, the majority of us spend most of our days inside. And I don't know about you guys, but it's dark when I wake up and dark when I get home. So it's like, I never see the sun anymore. Um, so that's when I definitely recommend a lot of people benefit from magnesium. And it's because there's just our soil is so deplete of uh, micronutrients anymore, just the way that farming is occurring. Um, and so magnesium is one of those minerals that has just not had time to, um, basically replenish itself. And so even if you're someone who's eating a ton of dark leafy green vegetables, nuts and seeds that is supposed to be rich in magnesium, chances are it's not enough. And a lot of people experience like muscle twitching or muscle cramps, um, anxiety, trouble sleeping, and magnesium can really help with that. It can also help with those who have a lower testosterone, so that's one I normally recommend for most. Um, and what's cool about magnesium is that there's, there's many ways to take it. So you don't necessarily have to take it through the digestion. You can actually use like an oil or a spray um, or just an Epsom salt bath. And the Epsom salt bath tends to kill two burns with one stone because it helps replenish your magnesium while also providing a stress reducer um, activity. I did not know that. I love taking Epsom salt baths. That's so great. Yeah. And it's normally most people find that after an Epsom salt bath, it's not just their muscles that feel relaxed, it's their entire body. And it's no coincidence that when someone has a heart attack, the first thing in the hospital they give them is a magnesium drip. Mm-hmm. Yep. So are there any specific brands? Because I get overwhelmed when I go to the supplement section. <laughs> I And it's really one of those things. I where don't I blame could, you. I could go up and down aisles for hours and be like, this looks like a, I love checking out products, but I, I run the risk of actually buying products I don't need. So are there any br- reputable brands that you would endorse? Yes. So... Epsom salt is pretty generic. You can go to like CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid. You'll oh, find yeah. I stuck up time. at Costco. <laughs> Costco. We don't have Costco here and it drives me crazy. And Ancient Minerals is a great oil or lotion if you want to use a topical application. The oil will uh, be tingly. And they say it's anecdotal at this point. There's no research. But they say if it's tingly, it means that you're deficient. And 
this is like probably a little hokey science. So this is not like I have no research paper on this, but on my own self, because I like to be and and equals one over here. Um, when I feel like I'm deplete and I use the ancient minerals oil, my skin tingles. And when I'm pretty like eating really well and taking my supplement, I'm not it's not tingly. So I have no idea. I'm not going to like make any claims here, but there might be something to that. And then finally, I like the powder it's called natural calm. Um, and you just mix it in your water once or twice a day. However, if you're going to start using it, please start low and go slow. Uh, it can be a laxative when you first start. So speaking of uh, poop, yes, uh, just make sure you start low. Um, of course, unless you're constipated, it might be a really good help for you. All right. Okay. That's and those we are my love questions. natural calm. Yeah. I started taking that when I was pregnant and I was having a hard time sleeping because I had like the worst restless legs on the planet. And so I was using a magnesium lotion and taking natural calm and it was super helpful and then now i just like still love natural calm it's so, so great good. i like the, it's like fizzy water almost without mm-hmm. being like i used to like look forward to it because i couldn't when you know like when i was pregnant i couldn't drink like coffee or you know i like didn't really have like my nighttime ritual the same like i couldn't have a glass of wine so by taking natural calm like became my nighttime ritual and i really looked forward to it <laughs> <laughs> i love that yeah and actually a lot of times they say um a lot of pregnant women or when they're pregnant, nausea can be due to a lack of magnesium as well. And with your cycle, normally when it's like the week before your period, progesterone and estrogen basically like swap places and your your need for magnesium increases. So that's why a lot of times people have increased cramps and increased migraines. And I noticed too, if I just like down some natural calm, I feel like my head's starting to like wanting to explode. I'll take it and no migraine. Shut up. Yes. You might have just changed my life with that statement because yeah, I've been getting migraines like the like two days before my period pretty much every month like the, ever since I had miles up the magnesium I have been like what is like what the f is the deal I've never had a migraine before in my life and then ever since miles was born I get, I've been getting them all the time and I'm done all right I'm there so you go excited right now. <laughs> um yeah it's funny there's a book I forget who wrote it it's called the magnesium miracle and I'm not a believer in like one magic pill or one magic solution but it is amazing the amount that magnesium is needed for in the body. I think they say it's needed for over like 300 enzymatic reactions. So, you know, most, most people I find the, 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 we're working on hopefully different tests with inside tracker, but the current test magnesium that we, we test in the blood, most people are normally fine and optimized. And it's because your body's smart. If you were like clinically low, chances are you'd probably be at risk for a heart attack, which is why we supplement people in the hospital for it. And if you look at red blood cell magnesium, that's kind of where the research is going. And they're showing that you might be deplete there. Um, So if you start testing there, you might see where you're not sufficient in magnesium. Okay, I want to talk about poop and digestion because (laughs) it's just important. Why is it important? And and why do you have such an interest in this, Laura? Uh, Health starts in my gut. Um, I'm fascinated by it probably because... I don't know when I got fascinated by it, but uh, my mom has food allergies and she didn't get diagnosed with celiac disease until she was probably maybe, I don't even know what year it is, uh, maybe like seven, eight, nine years ago at this point. And what's sad about that is so when we have celiac disease, basically you have like these finger like projections that come like out of your gut and they look like, I don't know if like sea creatures or like hair. Um, and when you have celiac disease, they basically shrink up the atrophy and they go away. And so it creates this opening for all these 
protein particles that aren't quite broken down to get into your bloodstream. And then your body starts attacking them because they're foreign and they're not good for you. So what, what we probably think happened is my mom had celiac disease her whole life. Nobody caught it because it, it just wasn't something that we taught, we tested for. Um, and so what happened is she became allergic to a lot of different foods. That kind of, I think, is where a lot of that interest came because I wanted to understand like why she couldn't tolerate foods. Like, I, I mean, I was scared when I was younger. I was like, holy crap, like I can't, I can't eat a carrot because she's going to have allergic reaction. And I think that's where it all stemmed from. And then I just kept reading up on it and it fascinated me. And I've never, I grew up with mostly dudes. I swam on an all guy swim team. And so like, I've never been shy about talking about that stuff because guys will literally talk about their poop because they're so proud of it. They're like, oh, I lost five pounds today with that poop. And I'm like, (laughs) Um, whereas females don't want to talk about it. And I think that it's really sad that we don't want to talk about it. Certainly, I'm not encouraging like crude behavior and talking about it in a crude manner. But I think that if we can start talking about it, people can start understanding that proper digestion really fuels proper health. Kind of just a passion of mine. And I've given, I'm pretty sure I've given a squatty potty as a gift to at least four people, one of them being my husband. <laughs> okay, so talk a little bit more about that, of why you're such a fan of that product, because you've mentioned it so many times. I want you to explain, <laughs> you know, like, what does it do, and why is it important? Um, so basically, you have uh, your gut, the way it's sitting in your body, and your rectum, the way that you sit on a toilet. Toilets have basically been elevated so that it's easier for us to sit on. So we don't really have to squat anymore. Um, There's a lot of third world countries where people still have to squat to just go to the bathroom in the ground. Um, And so when you squat, it basically positions your uh, gut and your rectum to be in the right position to basically allow for a proper elimination without any strain. Um, And so when you do that, it doesn't harm your gut in a way that straining would. Um, and honestly, every time it will, it'll change your life if you start trying to squat this or try starting to go this way. Um, and you'll find when you travel, you'll start looking for like trash cans and books and other things to elevate your feet on. Um, because it literally makes the go so enjoyable. You can go about your day, not feeling like shit or crap. Sorry. I don't know if I can. (laughs) Yes, you can. You absolutely can. Well, it's like, the last time I was like, yeah, I, I use the trash can in my bathroom, but it's like, I don't know if it's almost like you don't know if you don't know like how it's supposed to feel like is the squatty potty a little bit higher? Is there like science behind the actual height of this thing? No. Okay. And to clarify, Joy puts her feet on the trash can. She does not poop in the trash can. Because <laughs> the last time that you said that I had to be that clarification. And this time when you just said it again, I was like, what are you talking about? Joy does not poop in the trash can. Okay, continue. Yes. So no, Squatty Potty is not, I mean, I love them. And the reason that Squatty Potty works is because it fits perfectly under your your toilet and it's just a comfortable way to go. You don't have to look for a trash can or anything. It's, It's just meant to do what it's meant to do. So you don't need one. It's not, you know, if you don't have a squatty potty, you don't want to shell out the 24, 25 bucks for it. Um, completely understand. But uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's a matter of getting to that squatting position. And it's, I, I don't know if this is like PC or anything, but you'll see in some bathrooms, like when you travel around the country and like national parks and stuff, there'll be signs of like, not like don't squat on the toilet. And it's because in other cultures, they don't have elevated toilets. And so they're used to squatting when they go. And so that's just like their natural inclination is, oh, I'll just get on this toilet and I'll squat on it. Which I've obviously- never seen that. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen it a few times. And like anytime my husband sees it, he's got to like snap me a picture of it. And, you know, and it's 
the reason they do it is because it, it's just the way your body was meant to eliminate. And I know you guys are familiar because you're in CrossFit. You know, the air squat is like the most fundamental and most important functional movement that you learn. So many of us are terrible at it because we're used to sitting in chairs and used to sitting on toilets that are elevated and not not proper for our functional movement. So is but there... It's, it's ridiculous. Like I watch Miles squat and I just am like, he, every single thing, I mean, he's, so he's just learning how to walk. He's been walking now for what, like two weeks. And every single thing he has to pick up off from the floor, he just squats down, picks it up, stands back up and goes like on his way. Happened. Like perfect, unbelievable squat. I'm just like, I want, I want to be that mobile. Like I'm envious of my one-year-old's movement patterns. Sure. And that's why there's that whole movement of uh, like dynamic desk in school. I know Kelly Starrett is like trying to lead that movement which I think is amazing because kids need to move and they, they've basically been showing that from like kindergarten to first grade, the kid's mobility just like completely declines. Is it yeah, something so. that would like make you more regular by pooping Absolutely. that way? It's not, it's not like the, once again, there's no magic pill. Um, this isn't an infomercial, but putting all these tools into play can help with proper digestion and everyone should be pooping, but you should be pooping the appropriate amount. You shouldn't be pooping 10 times a day. You also shouldn't be pooping less than once a day, unless of course you have some chronic disease. And then, you know, there's obviously other issues going on behind that, such as like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease. And that, you know, can be managed so that it's not 20 times a day and perhaps it is 10 times a day. But I just, I'm very passionate about it because I think that people just aren't talking about it. And if you can improve your digestion, you improve your life. I mean, you don't have to worry about sitting at your desk feeling bloated or, or worrying where the next bathroom is. Yeah. And I think um, one of the biggest things that we've talked about in the past as well is that we don't know how good we can feel until we start fixing these things. Like Claire's mentioned, she used to think burping was just normal and something that she did all the time. And then she's like, oh, after she changed her diet, she realized this is not something that was healthy. <laughs> I, yeah. had, I had heartburn all growing up and the doctors basically told me it was because I swam and they said, you just take in too much air when you're swimming. Um, and then you're also laying horizontally, like in the water. No joke. I took out gluten and I took out a few other foods and I can't remember the last time I had heartburn. And the doctor was like, oh, just stay on Prilosec the rest of your life, which I'm never like one to just take that, take what my doctor says and says, okay, I'll just stay, do it. I'm like, no, that's a drug putting in my body. I don't believe in that. And that's, that's another sign of poor digestion. Like I've never been one, this might be oversharing, but I've never been one to have, you know, diarrhea. I'm normally the one that's either backed up, bloated, heartburn, indigestion, or burping. Like I'm very much the top of the spectrum, whereas a lot of people might be the bottom end of the spectrum. Um, and just because you're not having diarrhea or constipation does not mean you're not having digestive issues. Like my example of feeling really bloated at times, and I would just get really sick after I ate some, you know, more of just like the bloating uncomfortable feeling. And you really helped me realize that I was, it's like even, even eating too fast. And um, I think Claire also had a question about talking more about rest and digest and the importance of that piece too, with the, in relation to dige digestion. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious, like kind of, you know, go into that a little bit more. And I've been, uh, ever since we talked about this a couple weeks ago, I've been, you know, like if when I'm sitting at my desk, trying to slam my lunch, I keep, I like try to tell myself, okay, like, slow down, you know, take some breaths, like chew your food, sit, like focus on what you're doing. But I also think I have some days where it's like, that, you know, I don't have the option, unfortunately, of not eating at my desk. And so my question was kind of around like, I guess kind of like the goal behind that and the physiology behind that. And what are some sort of if there are any, I know that, that asking for a shortcut around like, relaxing is sort of the um, 
opposite of <laughs> defeats the purpose. But, you know, like, what would you recommend for ways to implement that, you know, when you, when it's not practical to, like, sit down in a quiet room with a candlelit lunch or whatever? <laughs> you know, obviously, that's always, candlelit lunch would be fabulous. I, I work from home and I don't even get that. But, um, yeah, I mean, finding ways to create a more relaxing environment and just having that conversation, internal conversation with yourself. Sometimes it's just reminding yourself to chew. And if you're unable to, I would recommend making lunch something that's super easy to digest. So soups, stews, braised meat, food that's already kind of been pre-broken down for you. It basically then allows your body to have to do less less work when it is digesting it. You know, certainly I wouldn't recommend like pounding a smoothie just because it's easier. But if this time of year, Sue's stooped, stoops, soups, chilies, etc. are probably a better option than say a big salad that you're just not going to have time to actually chew and enjoy. Uh, maybe maybe do like the heartier meal at lunch and then have the, the salad at dinner when you're actually able to sit down. Um, and the reason being is that when if you've ever been to like, I always like to think of this example because I always wondered growing up why this happened. We'd go out to a really nice dinner and it wouldn't even be that cold out. But when I went from the restaurant to the car, I'd be freezing. And I'm like, mom, why am I always so cold? And she's like, just, just stop. Like you're just being a nudge. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. But it really has something to it. So when you're resting and digestion, I'll digesting um, all of the blood and all of the energy is going towards your digestion system. Oh, I can't say that word today and helping it function properly. And so you'll notice that your hands and your feet might be a little cold because you don't need those in order to digest. Then when you're doing it, you're in fight or flight mode. So if you're running from something or you're crossfitting or whatever you might be doing that's active, um, you might notice that you might have like the feelings of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom really quick. It's because all the blood is now shunted away from your digestion because you don't necessarily need it. I mean, if you're running from a bear and you have to pick whether you're going to digest the lovely meal you just ate or poop it out and be able to run really fast, your body's going to poop it out and you're going to run really fast. Yeah, nervous poops. It's a real thing, guys. It's a real thing. Oh, my God. My poor puppy had nervous poops the other day. Even even animals have them. <laughs> oh, sad. Why did your dog have nervous poops? Uh, because I took him, well, I left him for two days because I had to go to our Boston office. And he's only like four months and he's such a mama's boy. And so I was running around with him and then all of a sudden he just had to go. And I was like, oh, no, in the middle of the gym. No. Oh, <laughs> happens to them, too. <laughs> well, I think, too, sometimes the... Um, idea that we have to eat at certain times will lead me to want to shove something down my throat and I'll be like oh I gotta eat this right now and I've been trying to be better about just eating when I have the time to eat as opposed to running out the door with something in my hand absolutely you yeah. know I think that we just get into a culture of breakfast lunch and dinner and at breakfast we have to have you know cereal and at lunch we have to have sandwiches and at dinner we have to have whatever, steak and potatoes. And there's no rules. I mean, if you're working out in the morning, chances are you need more of a dinner in the morning and you probably need more of a breakfast at lunch or at dinner. And really, you just have to start being more in tune with your hunger and your digestion and your lifestyle and being okay with going against the norms. Do you talk to people and coach people about how much to eat and how and what cues they can listen to their body? I, I know there's a culture of that in the eating disorder community, but is there something that you coach with your clients as well just to say, hey, can you eat until you're 80% full or whatever that is, whatever the rules are? 
to get people to know what that should feel like? Usually uh, teaching like portion control can really help that. And just, you know, maybe starting with some type of macro breakdown or zone breakdown just to get them their eye trained for what their plate should look like. Um, And then just slowing down and removing distractions. I mean, that can really help if you're not on your phone or you're not watching TV or on Facebook, chances are you're going to be more in tune with how you're feeling. Um, If you're chewing slower, it's obviously going to take longer to be done with your, your meal. Put your fork down between every bite. I can guarantee you 99% of people listening are going to be like, what? Yeah. Do I even, I never let go of my fork. (laughs) Well, that was my Um, reaction when you just said that. I was like, yep, not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and also like, I think in a way though, like my reaction to that initially is like, that sounds like some sort of weird like weight loss trick that you would read on like in some sort of like, like the Cosmo way to lose <laughs> right to lose five pounds is to take a sip of water in between every drink and you're in between every bite and you know my initial reaction to that is like well that's not necessary like why would I do that but I see I mean but I see what you're saying of like you know but it causes you to slow down and causes yes. you to like forces you to actually be mindful of what you're eating versus just like I'm put food on my plate and then I zone out and then when I like tune back in all the food is gone exactly and I think we're we're just in a culture where that has become the norm because we're just so busy and we're just so overstimulated and uh I don't know when this airs but we're coming up to like the Thanksgiving time and yeah we're gonna air this closer to Christmas so this will be like when Christmas is is rolling around yeah so we're in like prime time when we're having all these big family meals and it, it really becomes important to like think of these things not because you're trying to diet or lose weight but just because you know you're gonna be eating delicious food why not enjoy it instead of just sit sitting there afterwards saying my stomach hurts I mean I'm much more of the type where I'd rather just sit at the table for an hour and enjoy every last bite without feeling sick yeah. and putting the fork down is just it's kind of just a it's also like a fun challenge to see how long you can last because even I have to struggle with that I'm like put my fork down you want me to do what (laughs) my reaction to that too is similar to claire's where at first i'm like yeah right but thinking more about it it's just it 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 helps so much it sounds kind of silly but it helps so much to be mindful even as i'm chewing to just focus on chewing because i think didn't you say digestion starts in the mouth like your mouth is like preparing your body to receive food or something like that (laughs) Absolutely. Digestion starts even before that. It starts in your brain. Your brain signals to your gut and to your body that, hey, food is coming. I mean, if I start saying like bacon or brownies or uh, flourless chocolate cake with buttercream frosting, you better believe that all of us now have saliva in our mouth that's ready to digest that. I also want to talk, now I'm thinking of donuts too. I'm just like the floodgates have opened. So I want to talk a little bit about this idea too that, you know, we're always looking at food on Instagram. We're always seeing what people are eating and there is somewhat of a culture that people are always like putting up memes about oh I'm always hungry and I can't stop thinking about food and I don't know do you feel like that's screwing us a little bit I feel like that's just constantly planting images and thoughts of food and that we're constantly thinking about it I just I don't know it's confusing and I also really it makes me really want to swing towards being more mindful what I eat, when I eat, and how I eat. Totally. I mean, we want we want our cake and we want our six-pack, right? And we want our donuts too. There's probably some good phrase for that. But all we see on social media is everyone's highlight reel. And so we don't see what's going on behind the scenes. And I've worked with a few people in the, like the macros or the donuts and whatever world to encourage them to also post the other foods that may not be as fun to post, but show the reality of it. 
it. You know, you really can't have a six pack and eat donuts for every meal. It's just not a reality. And if you do, it's because you've got good genes and it's going to catch up with you at some point. Um, and so it's not that you can't have a donut once in a while. It's not that you can't enjoy the chocolate cake, but it's just not the reality of that being healthy. And I mean, that's kind of my two cents for that. And if, if you find that social media is affecting you to the point of being so overwhelmed, then stop following certain people or just quit it for a little bit. I mean, it's not easy to do. It's easier to say than to actually do that. But, um, you know, you have to start playing your own game and start watching your own play and recognize what works for you doesn't work for others. And those who are successful doing a certain diet, they're going to post about it. Those who aren't, chances are, unless they're just like really angry people, they're not going to post about it. Oh, I like what um, you said about keep your eyes on your own plate. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite phrases for all of life you know like if you start looking at everyone else's plate and start getting jealous or start getting angry you know then it basically diminishes what you have on your own plate and you probably have something really great on your plate so this sort of goes against what you just said but I am I'm kind of curious like you know living in this world and working in this world and you know dealing with um your own digestive and health issues and I know you said that you know you you um are you celiac or you just stay away from gluten so I've never been tested, but when my mom found out she was, she's like, why don't you try it with me? And yeah. my all of my dig- digestion issues went away, and That's my skin true. problems went away. And so it's very genetic. Um, and so mm-hmm. luckily, I think I've caught it long before. So like, I don't, if I breathe in flour, I'm fine. If she does, she's probably going to have a migraine for the next three days. So she's oh very gosh. sensitive. Um, but, you know, I, I've now basically gotten to the point where I don't even... I don't even mind, but it's not for everyone. You know, not everyone's gluten intolerant. Not everyone has celiac disease. And it's that's why it's knowing your body and knowing what you feel best doing. And I, I whenever I eat something gluten containing, I normally get really bloated, normally get heartburn. And I actually get what they call foggy brain or like, I forget another term for it. But um, you can ask some of my friends, like the few times I've gotten glutened in the past, like five years. I normally sound like I'm like hungover or drunk the next day and I didn't even get to enjoy the night before because it's not <laughs> like I had a fun party night out. And kind of knowing all that, I'm curious, like what does a meal look like for you? Like maybe what's like a typical dinner or your favorite kind of go-to easy meals that you like to cook? Um, my favorite is probably uh, like one of our go-to dinners is a spaghetti squash bolognese and it's really simple. All we do is we just, um, we fry it uh, in like a pan. We just put a ton of veggies and then whatever ground meat we have for the week. And then we roast a spaghetti squash in the oven. Um, And in the ground meat, we normally use like some coconut milk because my husband's lactose intolerant. Um, So we're always a fun, fun duo to have over, but, um, and then some (laughs) tomato sauce. Uh, I can have cheese and all the dairy in the world, but he cannot. And that's kind of like our go-to. Okay. I have to ask you a question about spaghetti squash because I cannot eat it. It makes me, I like even a small portion, it gives me the worst bloating and like just the poops. I like, is that a, I mean, is it just like, what's going on? Is that like the fiber? Is that like a common thing? Am I just crazy? Do I need to just like stop and try this again? I feel like I'm a crazy person and all I want to do is eat the Paleo MG <laughs> spaghetti squash pizza. Oh, no, I love spaghetti that, like squash. Pizza casserole, spaghetti squash thing. It's so freaking good. Everyone's different. And so, I mean, honestly, bananas and cashews do that to me immediately. And I was in denial for a while about it. And it, everyone just has different reactions to different foods. Um, yeah. Can you can you eat other squashes? Like yeah. Like butternut squash I, or acorn yeah, squash? Yeah, I can eat butternut squash. I guess I just don't really because 
spaghetti squash is like the easiest one. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah. Butternut squash. Like I feel like I always fear for my fingers every time I chop it up, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's, it's very much do you, you probably normally cook it through. Um, yeah, yeah. It's possible. I mean, for a lot of people, people are in denial sometimes that different foods could react with them. But like when yeah. I tell people that my mom's allergic to carrots, they're like, no one's allergic to carrots. And actually it's much more common than you would think. And people just don't share it because it's like, well, it sucks and it's embarrassing and nobody wants to talk about it. But yeah, everyone and also has- like, do you really like how many people, you know, it's not like being allergic to dairy or something. Like if you're out and about, it's pretty easy usually to avoid carrots without having to like make a big deal out of it. Exactly. Right. It's not like butter that's found in right. everything or right flour that they'll, even put on a piece of salmon that they pan fry. All right, I have a question. And we're almost out of time. But I want to get your opinion on artificial sweeteners, and especially stevia, because everyone thinks that's like the healthy sweetener. So artificial sweeteners, oh my gosh, where was I the other day? And somebody uh, it was at I think it was at brunch. And I heard this woman go, Do you want real or fake sugar? And she's like, fake. And I was like, do you people not hear yourselves? Like, <laughs> Why would you want to put fake food? Like, at least when you call it artificial, like, you can kind of, like, fake it till you make it kind of thing. But I'm like, oh, my God, you just said you want to put fake sugar in your coffee. Okay, hold on. I have to tell you a quick story about this. And I feel like I've told this on the podcast before. But I remember one time being in, like, a bathroom or something and overhearing this woman be like, yeah, I don't eat sugar. I only eat, like, brown sugar. <laughs> like, that counts. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have to put my blinders on so much in public. I'm like, oh, just stop. Listen to yourself and then continue. Artificial sugars are worse than sugar. And not that to say like, hey, go eat your sugar or brown sugar, that whoever that person is in this world. But it's to say that your body doesn't know what to do with this chemical that you're putting in your body. Most artificial sweeteners are a thousand times thousands of times sweeter than actual sugar. So you start training your brain to think that um, you're getting this huge sugar load and it then expects it. Um, So a lot of people notice like if they use Splenda or Sweet and Low or Equal or whatever is on the market these days, they find that like normal sugar doesn't taste good enough in their coffee. And it's because they're used to such a like potent sweetener. Um, It also has been shown to basically affect the microbiome in your gut which is not a good thing. So once again, health starts in the gut. And if you start messing with the good bacteria in your digestive system, you have trouble uh, breaking down food. You also increase your risk of getting sick. Um, And so not good. We also notice that uh, there might be potential for diabetics or I guess people who aren't diabetic for the blood sugar to spike equally, whether they have artificial or regular sweetener. And I would see that in the hospital when I worked there. And, you know, the patients would ask for equal or sweet and little thinking they were doing something good for their body and their blood sugars would still be spiking. Now, they were also eating other crap and they were sitting in their beds doing nothing and they had steroids and, you know, other other things going on. But um, I think there's something to that. Stevia is kind of a double-edged sword because there are good forms of stevia, but you have to make sure it comes from the actual leaf. Um, And normally it's like a liquid extract and it's not the white powder that I think, I think Trulia is the one that's like white powder. Yeah. Um, And it's basically processed to the point of might as well just be a chemical. Um, And so you have to be really careful with that. Um, And then once again, just recognizing that if you're having stevia, you're still having some sweetness. And so while it might be better because it's a more natural form and not a high higher calorie like a honey or a maple syrup, your body is now trained to want that sweetness. And it's trained, you know, your your brain is affected by what you eat because there is a direct 
line from your gut to your brain. Um, and they found that eating sugar or artificial sweeteners will ha- will actually change what's going on in your brain. Um, and now you're going to crave that sweetness. So I'm much of the belief that like, I don't want you to not eat sugar or not enjoy life because God forbid this, this really cranky old lady told me that you can't have sugar, but like use, use natural sweeteners like honey and maple syrup. I mean, they're delicious. They don't have that weird aftertaste and your body knows what to do with them. There's some trace minerals in there that actually will help digest it and absorb it. Okay. I feel like such an a-hole now because I'm like so addicted to the stevias. (laughs) (laughs) And it's okay. I mean, it's not the worst. You also have to like pick your vices and pick your battles, you know, and that's why testing not to like put the plug in again, but it's good to test and look at your blood work and look inside and say, okay, is me having a Zevia or that what they're called? Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or like Truvia (laughs) or whatever. Right. Me having this every once in a while uh, is obviously not having a huge impact on my life, but I'm also taking precautions to eat really healthy, get to bed on time, exercise, rest, not take medications when I don't need to, uh, not take all these extra supplements. So, you know, I also try to teach people that like, no, there's no like perfect specimen. No, even though Instagram will try to have you believe there is one and everyone's fighting to be it on Instagram. There like is the tone, no one. I mean, I, I would argue that the tone it up girls are perfect. <laughs> And behind the scenes, right? We don't know what's going on back there. Heck, when I wake up in the morning and I, you know, position myself just right in the mirror, I can look that good too. <laughs> so yeah, it, you know, it's, it's finding those vices and, and just being okay with it and recognizing that it's not like you're, you know, dumping in 500 grams of sugar via a donut and a sugary coffee beverage. So, you know, finding those those vices of what you really enjoy and you like to be a part of your life that's not affecting you negatively with your overall health and performance. Okay, so I will cut back on that. I was telling Claire in the last one of the recent episodes we recorded is I'm trying not to start my day with like sugary breakfast because that's what I crave. Um, Is there anything behind this will be our last question because we're running out of time again. But is there anything behind that people should know about their cravings and what that says about their bodies? I think certain cravings are real. It's your body telling you something. I think other cravings are just your habits. Like you're just basically forming habits to crave sugar. Um, And your body, your brain is basically telling you it's like neurons have been rewired to crave that sugar. Um, You know, sometimes women crave chocolate right before their period. And chocolate, especially dark chocolate, is very rich in magnesium. And so it's no, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that it's true that you just need more magnesium before your period. And dark chocolate, if eaten appropriately and not, you know, eaten in the form of a very sugary load, probably need it. A lot of like vegans or vegetarians will say at some point they crave meat. And it's probably that they crave iron because they're depleted iron and B12, which is uh, found in like red meat. So I think that there's cravings like that that are true and real and that you should really try to start tuning into. Um, And then I think there's just like those sugary cravings that you have now rewired your brain. And sometimes the best thing to do is to just get off it completely. And if you go cold turkey off of sugar, you probably will have like flu-like symptoms and feel like you're detoxing. You will live, uh, you will get past that, and you'll be better for it. Yes and no. It's just hard to tell. It just depends what the craving is. Yeah. It just reminds me of the time when I, I used to be vegan and I started craving eggs and I was like, oh man, I, I just want some deviled eggs. 
And then I just decided to stop being vegan and I went to Whole Foods and they have like a huge, just, they sell deviled eggs in packages that you can just buy in the prepared food section. And I bought like a six pack of deviled eggs <laughs> and I went into my car and I just ate the entire thing. That's awesome. <laughs> and you know, that, that type of craving, you probably were craving, I mean, it's not like you were craving a Snickers bar. You were craving an actual like hearty food that had nutrients in it. I mean, yeah. They're also eggs are also rich in some B vitamins and choline, which can be really helpful for um, helpful for brain development. Let's talk. Oh, you know, if we're going to talk about test, don't guess. Let's talk a little bit more about Insight Tracker and um, how our listeners can get hooked up. Yeah. So uh, we basically will test your blood, and then we'll look for certain biomarkers that have to do with health and performance. And from there, you'll get recommendations based off of your results. We do allow you to put in dietary preferences. So if you are lactose intolerant or gluten intolerant, we won't recommend those type of foods for you. Um, and to get set up, you can just go to InsightTracker.com or reach out to me. If you see the chat box pop up on InsightTracker.com, it says Laura. It's me. Surprise. Um, and use the code GGW. GGW. Wow, if you say that fast, it slurs. <laughs> and you get a nice discount. And certainly you can reach out to me uh, on the Sassy Dietitian on all social media. I'd be more than happy to answer your questions um, or just hear your opinion on all I said today. And I think, too, like, you know, we, we, we have really had valuable experiences with Insight Tracker. Obviously, you know, that um, is not the solution for everyone and, and it's not practical for everyone. And so we don't want you guys to like go away from this episode thinking like, Oh my gosh, this is just a lead up to try me to get, try to get me to go to inside tracker. But you know, we do think it's a really good tool, but I also hope that you guys come away from, from this episode with, you know, some other things to think about in terms of just more things to look out for. And I think that's why we love having Laura and, you know, nutrition experts on the podcast is just to give you guys some real concrete things to look at and to like really take a, an objective look at your body and at your habits and think, you know, am I really optimizing everything that I can in terms of just my daily habits? Sure. And there's plenty of free material, both on my blog, the Sassy Dietitian and the Inside Tracker blog. Um, and there's, there's just some valuable information you don't have to even test to learn from. So feel free to kind of poke around there and uh, find all you can learn. There's, I have two posts on magnesium on my own site. So if you heard the magnesium miracle today, you can go check out why I love it so much my favorite mineral because when you're a dietitian you apparently have favorite minerals and favorite vitamins <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so nerdy and I love it I'm such a nerd but you know you gotta embrace it it's the best well thank you for being on again this was very informative I think Claire's like in heaven now that she knows what to do when she gets a migraine gosh I, I hope it works no pressure <laughs> well thanks for having me on fun yeah thank you Laura yeah. so listeners you guys can find us at girlsgunwildpodcast.com and we will see you next week bye bye everybody bye